This is 15 Minutes with the Doctor, episode 4. Welcome to 15 Minutes with the Doctor, the 15 minute appointment where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators so you can grow your idea of business. Uh huh. So say hello to your host, Dr. Vinay Shankar. On this show, we have the co-founder of Enpro. He shares with us their story on how they have developed a unique new rugby head guard. Learn why he was inspired to create the head guard, the importance of end-user research and the intricacies of classing a product as a medical device with CE Mark approval. Let's jump into our chat. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks very much for having me on. Could you tell us a little about Enpro and what it is? Enpro is a next generation rugby headguard that we have developed. We've been over three years now in the R&D of the product. What we've done is we've taken a very different approach with the design of the product. It's a multi-layer construction and it's been designed to reduce the impact of force transferred to the player's head. So we've actually taken a medical device approach with the product. Mm-hmm. So the product is class one medical device across Europe. We're also registered now in Australia and New Zealand. Okay, so lots of information to go into there. What gave you the idea for the Enpro product? I had a company that was developing sports helmets for an Irish sport called hurling. I don't know if you've come across that before, but no, not heard it's, that. Uh, the, the helmets there would be similar to ice hockey or lacrosse helmets. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're a plastic shell with a stainless steel face guard. But during the development of those, we obviously used a lot of materials and tested a lot of materials for impact protection. So then one day I, I read an interview with a former Irish rugby player, John Fogarty, who was forced to retire through multiple head injuries. Okay. And it was his story that really got me started on it. Now, Enpro is a very different product to what we've previously developed in that it's a, it's a soft material. It's a, it's, there's no hard materials in it at all. So it's not your traditional sports helmet like a cycling or an NFL helmet or anything like that. It's very much a soft material. Okay, so you were involved in making helmets before, is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, I had a number of years' experience in that. And I was also involved in the development of safety standards for sports helmets. My wife then, Dr. Sandra Ganley, she's involved in the medical device industry. And why did you move away from the traditional approach of helmets? Well, we looked at the whole area of head injuries in sport and specifically in rugby. And it was such a controversial topic, such an emotive mm-hmm. topic. And there was a number of people out there that were trying to, to address this issue, but nobody really had had much success. There's an awful lot of products out there that are looking at the diagnostic space. But we were more, you know, in reducing the risk factors of the injury happening in the first place. You're never going to be totally able to eliminate these injuries because the nature of the game is that it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. But what we looked at doing is, could we reduce the risk factors? So if you look at treating any illness or disease, what you're going to do is you're going to try and reduce the risk factors as much as possible. So we looked at two of the major risk factors in head injuries in rugby specifically, and they were linear impacts and rotational impacts. So the linear impacts were like 90 degree blows to the head. Rotational impacts were like a glancing blow that, that would, you know, 
make the head spin. So we looked at reducing those as much as we could. Is that the reason why you picked rugby? Because increasingly there's a lot more awareness of head injuries in sport. You know, for example, in the NFL just the other year, there was a film called Concussion, which highlighted some of the issues. Could you tell us a bit more why rugby? Well, I suppose we, we looked at rugby, really. We both had a huge interest in it. Um, we've been rugby fans all our life. I played when I was younger. We now have a young family and mm-hmm. they're starting to play rugby. So we're based in Ireland. Rugby is very, very popular over here. And then in the UK, obviously, is a, a huge market. I suppose for ease of access to getting, getting to market with a product, we saw an obvious issue there in rugby um, so we wouldn't have had any experience in the likes of NFL or you know other other US sport so that was kind of one of the one of the primary reasons we know that your partner is co-founder what specific skills does she bring well she has worked in medical device innovation for a number of years she was co-founder of a program in the National University of Ireland in Galway called BioInnovate now with based on the biodesign program run in Stanford University in the US. Mm-hmm. So what they look at doing is developing solutions for unmet clinical needs. Right. What they do is they assemble a multidisciplinary team. So you might have a couple of medics, an engineer, you know, people with business backgrounds. And what they do is they do a, a clinical immersion in a hospital mm-hmm. where they, they look for unmet clinical needs that are there working closely with the medical staff. And then the very last part of that whole process is you develop the product. We applied that whole process to sport, whereas it has traditionally been used in the medical environment. We looked at sport. We saw a huge unmet clinical need here. We applied the same principles. We sat down with both pro and amateur players and we asked them, what do you like about current headgear? What do you not like? What would you like to see in the product? And they all came back to us saying that comfort and fit was obviously a huge issue. Right. As well as the protective qualities of the product. So you went out and you spoke to the actual people using it and seeing what they thought. Yes, exactly. We went straight to the straight to the end user. And that was before you developed anything? Yeah, exactly. We went with um we obviously had a number of design concepts. And what we started doing was filtering down through those design concepts with end users and seeing which of them they would like to see in the final finished product. Mm-hmm. And that gave us a roadmap then to develop prototypes. Is that not something that's done already in the industry? We hadn't seen a whole lot of innovation in terms of headgear in the market. As I said, there's an awful lot of work going on with diagnostic tools, which are hugely innovative. But mm-hmm. In terms of the protective side of things, there hadn't been much innovation there. You've obviously got a vast amount of experience in your team from your partner working in medical devices and medical innovation. Is that the reason why you chose to class the product as a medical device? Well, I suppose it was when you look at the number of companies around the world that are looking at this space, you know, there's a lot of big companies out there. Um, Mm -hmm. So in order for us to be taken seriously, I believe when we look at other companies out there, there's a lot of companies that are making all sorts of claims and a lot of them aren't validated. So really, I think when you're going about looking at, at addressing a clinical issue, I believe all of those products should be under medical device directive. 
So the classing of your products as a medical device brings, shall we say, authority. Is there any other benefits that it brings? I suppose it has introduced us to a huge amount of medics around the world that are working in this space. It was a very novel approach that we took. Now, these companies are being contacted all the time by different headgear manufacturers and whatever. So the fact that we had taken such a different approach meant that they listened to us. You know, it opened the door for us to get in there and explain the approach that we've taken. So it differentiates you from others in the market as well then? Absolutely, yes. It's a very different approach that we've taken with it. And could you tell us more about how the product was tested? Yes, so we had over three years of R&D with the product. We started off with the traditional way that you would test sports headgear. So we started off with bench testing. Mm. There was uh, drop testing used in that. So you basically use instrumented heads that have triaxial accelerometers on the inside. You you do these standardized drop tests where you measure the G-force that's being passed into the head. Okay. All of our testing has been done independently, so we mm-hmm. used research groups in the United States that looked at the rotational acceleration testing of the helmet to see how much could we reduce that. So um, at lower speed, we were able to show that we could reduce the rotational acceleration by 55%. Okay. At a higher speed then, there was a 30% reduction in rotational acceleration. So these are the major risk factors that we're talking about reducing. We also looked at the life of the product, we looked at repeated impact testing over okay. a simulated three-year period. So it was repeatedly impacting the product to see how did it perform at the end of the life of the product. The next step we took then was we moved into a, a preclinical animal study. So we uh, hired a, a research group in the United States, did an animal model that was specifically designed to give a sports-induced concussion to a to a rodent. Mm-hmm. So to cut a really long story short, we had a we three groups of animals. We had a, a control group that we did nothing with. There was a group of animals that got a lateral impact to to the temple with no protection, and mm-hmm. there was a group that got a lateral impact to the temple with protection using our a miniaturized version of our product. So afterwards, then all three groups of animals they had been anesthetized for the testing. Afterwards, they're woken up and there's a um, They've been used for about 50 years in, in neurological research, so their their behavior is very, very well characterized. There's a number of behavioral studies that was carried out with them to show the difference in neurological deficits due to the impact they received. We also took blood samples from all of the animals, and we looked at biomarkers that are released when there's a TBI, a multi-magic brain injury, in the rodent. We were able to examine all of those. As I said, all of our testing has been done independently. Mm -hmm. The end result was that for both behavior and the blood biomarkers, the group that we protected were indistinguishable from the control group that received no injury at all. Whereas there was dramatic differences in the behavior of the other animals and also there was a dramatic difference in their blood biomarkers of the animals that received the impact where they had no protection. Uh, We brought the brains back to a neuropathologist in Ireland. He examined them. He found no gross pathology in the brains, which meant that the only difference between all of these animals, they they had all received the same impact. One group had received a concussion. The other group hadn't. And the only difference between all of these was the protective device that was used. Right. 
After that, then we ran a feasibility study with players. We used a professional team here in Ireland. We worked with their academy for six weeks and we basically split the academy into two groups, one wearing the product and one not. And we, again, we looked at the blood. Um, we used a, we did a lot of blood work with them. We took blood samples at the start as a baseline reading for each player. And then after every contact session, we again took blood samples from them. So that was a feasibility study to look at, first of all, the safety of the product. Secondly, to look at the usability of the product. And then to see if there was trends of effectiveness. Now, it was a short study. So, you know, statistically, we need to run a longer study now, which is the next the next steps that we're going to be taking. So, you know, that showed that the device was totally safe. There was no change in, in player behavior. There was no change in injury rates. You know, like the players that were wearing the product weren't inflicting injuries on the others. The comfort and usability of the product scored very, very highly among the players. And also the blood biomarker work that we did has shown some very, very interesting trends. Okay, so that's quite a lot of in-depth testing for your product. I just wanted to pick up on two points from there. The first one was, is this the amount of testing that's required, for example, to class a product as a medical device? There's a certain number of tests that we needed to do. What we did with our product was we looked at risk analysis. So you have to look at all the different areas of the product and see where there could potentially be a risk. And then you need to justify what testing you've done to mitigate that risk. Okay. And the second question surrounded animal testing. Some people are against animal testing, but it's still used in the medical field. What would you say to that? Yeah, well, I suppose there's a lot of different animal models that are used. First of all, we had to get ethics approval for our study. You know, everything has to be cleared ethically. And so we used a rodent model. Now, a couple of different neurological people that we've spoken to said, did you consider a a primate model? You know, that was something that we didn't feel comfortable with ethically. And the whole industry has really moved away from primates. It's not an area that we wanted to get into at all. Preclinical studies are very, very common in the medical device industry. So if people look at most medical devices, apart from, you know, very, very low grade risk products, most of them would have used preclinical studies. Just wanted to clarify that as some people might not know that that's what commonly happens. Yes, and it's a it's a very valid point. But I suppose what we didn't want to do is obviously you have to test a number of the a number of factors in the product before you move into humans. That's what we were doing is reducing that risk as much as possible. And it's a difficult field because there is obviously a lot more research and attention, as I mentioned earlier, and the field of concussion in the sports field. So there's still a lot more to learn, isn't there? Well, our whole company is based on R&D and science. We will continuously be doing studies. Every couple of weeks, there's new publications coming out. Mm. You know, people, there's people all over the world working on, um, on different aspects of this. You're looking at, at collaborating and... And would you change your product if required? For example, if some new research came out, I guess that's the challenge of working in, in a field where there's constant change. This is the first version of our product. Mm-hmm. Um, we have you know, several other designs planned for it. 
we're going to be constantly evolving the product. There's no such thing as the perfect solution here. You know, so we see that there's a huge area for innovation in this space. We've always said to people that, you know, we see Enpro as, as part of the solution here. We've never claimed that this is going to be the magic product that's going to come along and eliminate all of this from sport. There will always be head injuries in sports due to the yep. due to the nature of it of it being contact sports. But we see this as part of the solution. If you look at, you know, along with better tackle technique, yeah. um, you know, also education among players, you know, so there's a number of ways here that we can reduce the risk factors and make the game as safe as possible for future players. Now, I wanted to come on to the fact that your product was mentioned last year in the press and you've not currently been approved by the World Rugby Organization. Could you tell us a bit more about that? As I've said, we've taken a very different approach with the design of the product. The product has been designed to reduce linear and rotational impacts. And it it reduces, in in comparison to existing products that are on the market, it reduces linear impacts by up to about 75%. Now, this is a very different design to what's there at the moment. Existing head guards that are on the market have been designed to look at prevention of cuts, abrasions, cauliflower ears, that type of thing. Impact protection didn't come into it. So this is a very different approach that has been taken. So what we've done is we have submitted all of our data to World Rugby and they're reviewing that now at the moment. So that's an ongoing process. And while this decision has been made from them, has it affected your product in any way at all? We've launched in Ireland and the UK, um, Australia and New Zealand, and the product has been has been widely used in all of those countries. So it's we have we have players at, at all levels of the game that are using the product. We're also looking at developing it for different sports as well. So if you look at our primary focus at the start, because of just the market size in Ireland and the UK, the focus there was rugby union. As in Australia, the primary focus over there is rugby league, because um, right. it's a much bigger market than the union market over there. And they have different regulations around, around headgear. I just wanted to pick up on the press issue that we discussed earlier. What advice would you give to people for dealing with the press? Yes, we've, we've been engaging with the press in Ireland and the UK, and now we're kind of starting in Australia as well. So this is obviously a, a hot topic at the moment. It's in the press every day of the week about these head injuries. But I suppose in terms of giving advice, what we always try to do is to manage expectations with the press. We've said clearly that the product is designed to reduce risk factors. Now, a lot of the time, people like to try and turn that into a sensational headline. This is going to be the next big thing to solve this issue. Mm-hmm. We've always clearly said that it's going to take a number of different aspects of, you know, if you include product, if you include education, mm-hmm. if you include training techniques, it's a multifactorial response that's needed here to address this issue. That's a really useful tip. And where can people learn more about NPRO? Our website is www.n-pro.com or else they can find us on Twitter at nprosports. That's great. Appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. Yeah, that was great. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I appreciate all of you who have listened so far and given the launch of this show a great start. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor. Www. Dot
Chantcar.net slash 50 minutes with the doctor. Uh huh. Dr. Vinay Chantcar. Uh huh. Dr. Vinay Chantcar.